0: I'm going into my senior season. My goal is to bring another national championship to St. John Bosco. I thought about it. I was very close to doing it, but
1: the requirement would be two years of mandatory military service. I appreciate that people still follow high school sports. It's hard just to make it in the NFL because you're talking about the best of the best. I just wanted to, you know, bring a lot of really good, positive energy to our newsroom and get people excited about what they're doing.
0: I said, hey, Ty, you think South Carolina's the place? And he said, yes. I just knew with his support and my gut feeling that it was the right place for me and my family.
1: So we had a sponsor that sponsored him and got him an um, in-home tutor. That
0: parent-kid relationship is really present in a lot of the stories that we tell because we're seeing kids become adults right in front of their parents. You're listening to the SoCal Sports Stories Podcast with Connor set. Welcome to the SoCal Sports Stories Podcast. My guest today is Derek Taylor, the head coach of Taft High School of Basketball. Coach, thank you so much for joining
1: me. Thanks for having me. You got a lot of courage coming here and asking me some questions. But...
0: <laughs> you're a guy who I've wanted to talk to for a while. So you went to Taft as a player, ended up coaching there. It seems like Taft is in your blood. How'd you end up playing? Because I know you're not from Woodland Hills. So how'd you end up playing at Taft? And look at this journey. It's remarkable.
1: Well, I was a part of the early stages of PWT. And so uh, I started at Parkman in Woodland Hills, which is now Woodland Hills Academy. And then we matriculated uh, over to Taft. And so I, I was at Taft from 1978 to uh, 1981. And what were those years
0: like? I'm sure it's a little bit different. Uh, it was totally today.
1: different. Taft m- resembled more like uh, Calabasas now. Um, it was a super wealthy neighborhood, it was very young. Um, actually, my first year at Taft was only 42 black students at school during that time. So obviously, things has changed. Um, but you know it was it was still kind of an innocent era. It was fun. It was uh, supportive, and it was you know I, I had a good time during my my years here.
0: And you played pretty well. Eventually, you moved on to junior college, correct?
1: Yes, Yeah. See, I, I played here, and um um I I started my senior year. We had a pretty good run. We we lost the Fairfax City finals my sophomore year. Junior year, we win City Three A. My senior year, we go to the semifinals, play at the Sports Arena. So I you know I did okay. I wasn't great, but I was a you know I was a, a a productive player that you can count on.
0: When you look at what Los Angeles City section LA Unified used to be back when you were playing compared to what it is now a how did we kind of let it get to this point where there isn't really any money and again I don't know if that's uh, your fault obviously but it's a big systemic issue and does it kind of make you sad how things have changed pretty much for for the negative?
1: Yeah it, it really is sad because you know when we were coming up the era I was kind of LA unified schools, you know, you had Crenshaw was a powerhouse. Manuel was a powerhouse, you know, Fairfax was a powerhouse. Um, Westchester was on its way up. Dorsey was a powerhouse. Um, you know, Washington was always talented. Cleveland was very good. So we, could, and we were good enough to compete with anyone in the nation. And we had all of these teams and we can go toe to toe with the powerhouse private schools. Um, then I don't know. Then the money started to dry up. Things started to happen. Um, uh, you, you, you know we started out I started out with a budget of 4100. Now um, current day our budget is zero. There's restrictions on how you can fundraise. Uh, so I, I don't know behind the scenes what happened, but I know that uh, it's pretty sad and it and is it, 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 we're fighting uphill battle constantly right now.
0: Yeah, and there might even be a strike, and I'll ask you about that in a little bit. Which Yeah,
1: that's not a good look as well. Uh,
0: absolutely. So just to get back on track uh, with Taft, and thank you for answering that. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. So you finish up playing in the junior college, and then mm-hmm. you come back and you coach JV for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Why did you end up taking that job?
1: Well, you know, it was interesting. My friend, I had a friend of mine, uh, my best friend at the time, he was a JV coach, and he went to San Diego to interview San Diego State to you know for an assistant position there. And Jim Woodard, who was the coach at the time, asked me to come in and fill in for him. And so I did. And I just filled in one summer league game. And I said, man, I really like this. I felt natural, and I enjoyed it. And um, I never left. You know, I played like that as well. I wasn't the most talented, but I played off of my instincts. And so um, it felt kind of natural for me. So I took the position, because he took the position at San Diego State, and I and I got the position as JV coach at Taft.
0: And then eventually, it's a pretty interesting story as well, how you got yeah. the head coaching job. You were maybe going to go to Cleveland, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, you stuck around. So could you fill the listeners in on that? Wow,
1: you did your homework pretty well. Yeah, I, I, you know, when going back to JVs, I had a pretty good run as a JV coach. I coached 160 games, and I won 144 of them. Yeah, doesn't and, get much and better than that. Yeah, <laughs> we got pretty fortunate. And then, then you know, I was I was content with being a, an assistant. At the time, Taff and Cleveland had a heated, heated rivalry. Um, the Cleveland principal, uh, Al Weiner, uh, you know, he asked me what, one, asked me my interest in maybe going to Cleveland, and they were really good and really talented. And then I was going to take that job. I thought it was too good of an opportunity to pass up, especially for your first job. And the 24-informed Mark Drucker, who was coaching the boys at that time, who is now our girls coaching AD, uh, I told Mark I was going to take the Cleveland job. And Mark, in the prime of his coaching career, and coming off a team that was 20-3. and three, Mark um, said, "No, I'll step down for you because we don't want. I don't want you to leave." And so, how honorable is that? He gave up the boys' prime coaching, you know, position and and gave it to me.
0: What did that mean to you?
1: Well, it means a lot because you know we 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 have a personal relationship. I've known Mark since uh, nineteen seventy eight, um, and it just meant that he respected me and he, and he thought that much of me to keep me here. So it it meant a lot. And to this day, our relationship is real special.
0: From 2001 to 2011, that was your first stint at Taft. And you had a great run, winning a bunch of West Valley leagues and three city championships. What allowed you to be so successful during that span?
1: Um, Players. (laughs) Well, what happened was we, you know, we we played an exciting brand. So it was kind of fun. I think it it was attracting to people. But something happened. Jordan Farmar walks in the door and um, he single-handedly responsible for the explosion of tap basketball. He brought uh, so much notoriety with his play, and he put us out in the forefront, and um, we started to, people started to notice us, and they started to come to games. They started to see how we play, and they thought it was fun, and the gym was packed, and it was exciting, and um, players start coming. They started saying, you know, this is okay to come here.
0: What do you think would happen if, a uh, Jordan Farmar type would be in eighth grade right now, and was looking to come to Taft in 2018. Do you think it would be a little different? Do you think he'd go to one of the power private schools, or do you still think this day and age you could get him to come here? A player like that?
1: Uh no, he would. Um, no, he would. He was. You know, he would list every private school first. Um, that's just the lay of the land now, and it, it's unfortunate because we could. Uh, we can offer everything. The private school can have offer here. I mean, we have small size classrooms are smaller. We have really good, super good staff here. Um, offer all the classes. Obviously, we play a high brand of basketball. We're a sponsored program. Um, I've obviously I have the experience to coach anyone. I mean, I have NBA guys, Division One guys, but it will be difficult. Um, we tend to get. We would get that kid if he wasn't a good student, and he was uh, denied entry to the private school.
0: What's interesting is you look at a guy like Kihei Clark who you had last year who's at Virginia now. He was it's kind of the opposite, not really that hyped up and he comes in and he was going to UC Davis I think for a little bit. Next thing you know, he winds up at Virginia playing for Tony Bennett. And those are kind of the stories that we love to see with the city section now, the guys who are kind of underappreciated, mm-hmm. and then they make it big. Because the guys who are, who are huge in middle school, it's sad, but they're not going to come here anymore. So I'm sure that that was one of your greatest player development yeah. kind of uh, just jobs as a coach because look at what you did with Kihei Clark. He is phenomenal, and we are excited to see what he can do with Virginia.
1: Yeah, you know, that. think about it. That's, the rev- that's backwards. That's the exactly. reverse order of, of how things have been going. It's against the trend. Um, you know, but yeah, he was, he came over he, from a private school to a public, um, he shows it can be done. Um, you know, my, he was talented, but I, you know, my job was to continue to fine tune him and, and, and teach him how to play the point guard position. But he came here, I mean, he got in Virginia, it's a high end academic institution. Uh, and, and so it tells you that he can, you can achieve in, in the public school system. And he did well. I have, a, my daughter's a Princeton grad. LA Unified product, you know, and so you can, and so Kie was Kie was everything we was looking for, um, and he developed, and he grew academically, as a, you know, grew academically and socially at Taft.
0: Yeah, that's one of the best stories uh, that I've had yeah. to cover here in my two years. So you mentioned Jordan Farmar. You also coached Larry Drew. Mm-hmm. You had some special players in that first stint. What were some of the favorite memories? I'm sure that 04 City Championship jumps right to the forefront.
1: Well, that that that's. Number one, I'm sorry to the past teams, pre other teams, but winning the first championship is always the first one because you know we we it just hadn't been done in 40 years at that point, and no one thought we were, it could could be done because you know just the city was so dominant. But it's something about having a group of men, and um, you believing in a journey, and we got there and we won it. I remember how happy we were. Then there's other stories, you know. Then Larry Drew replaces Jordan Farmer. So I get real fortune. You watch Larry grow from a kid who can't – so small, we can't – don't have a jersey that will fit him to he turns into this stud, you know, as a, a ball player. And then, you know, uh, from Larry, we had Michael Williams in there who did well. Then Spencer Dinwiddie comes in. Oh, yeah, you know. I forgot all about him. Yeah. On
0: the Nets and he's, he's one of the – I saw a list, one of the NBA's best 100 players.
1: Yes, yeah. And, you know, um, he came in. When he was 5'9", weighing 108 pounds. He left 6'4 and a half, about 172. And then we had Bryce Jones, and Spencer was on the same team, and DeAndre Daniels won a national title at Connecticut. So, uh yeah, I, I just remember all those memories, traveling all over the country, seeing guys who, you know, being in public school, kids never been on planes before. So watching a kid get on a plane for the very first time and fly, so all those type of memories uh, I remember.
0: You brought up uh, Connecticut, and that kind of jogged my memory. It seems like a lot of guys who have been really good for you have gone to Connecticut. Do you have a good relationship with Kevin Ollie?
1: Yeah, I mean, Kevin had a really good relationship. We trust, you know, we trusted each other, and we, we, you know, we built a good rapport. But he took care of the kids, and the kids would come back and 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 talk to the other players about how Kevin treated them. Uh, and so, yeah, it it, it kind of worked out that way, you know, Connecticut, and you know, a little bit with UCLA.
0: I want to get into the 04 championship a little more. So, I read that you called that city title the greatest experience of your life. And you mentioned yeah. how that, because it was the first one, it was yeah. so important. But also, you beat a really good Fairfax team, yeah. coached by the legendary Harvey Katani. And, you know, that was kind of Taft's arrival, I feel like. So, yeah. why was that the greatest experience of your life? And just what did that title mean to you?
1: You know, it was no one thought we could do it. And we always felt we could do it. I, I When I interviewed a Taft, even though I was given the job, I had started to go to the interview. And I, I remember an interview, and so, um, I told administration my goal was to, within five years, build a team that can compete for a city championship. And many thought it was pretty aggressive. Um, but I believed it, and we won the doggone thing in four. And we just, I don't know, we dreamed it and thought about it. and I really wanted it. Because I've been, like, I'm a city, LA City product. I've been, my, my dad took me around to L.A. Unified games. We used to listen to the city championship in the 70s on the radio. I heard all the stories. I grew up by Fremont. I seen all the basketball players. So I, I lived and breathed L.A. Unified basketball, and winning the city championship was everything. Um, if I don't want to get long-winded, my dad told me so many stories, and he shared every single story, and he passed before I won the title because I would have been one of his stories. And that was uh, that made me feel good, knowing that if he was alive, he would have continued to tell me all tell every, you know he went to everything basketball, football, track and field. and He just loved L.A. Unified sports, so that made me feel good. And I say in my mind, that, you know, I arrived because I would have been one of his stories.
0: Thank you for sharing that. That yeah. I appreciate it. Um, and feel free to go long winded. That's okay. okay. We like that. Right. Could you maybe share one of your favorite stories from that your dad would tell you from uh, the L.A. Unified? Yeah. Uh, events that he would go to?
1: Yeah, my dad, um, so my dad was a, a Fremont grad, so Fremont was the greatest thing of all time. And um, I learned about, um, you know, this guy Richard Stebbins, that was his, always his favorite, and he thought he was, but he ran, you know, ran the Olympics, and uh, uh, he, I believe he was on the 60, maybe the 64 team, or 68 team, and my dad would tell me all the track and field events. Also, you know, Fremont basketball, I remember back, um, me and my dad, We listened to radio, and we listened to when Fremont upset Dorsey, when Dorsey was number one in the state, one of the top teams in the country, Myron Washington, I still remember their names, Myron Myron Ryan, Myron Ryan, Johnny Washington, and uh, it was a giant upset. No one seen it coming. Um, You know, all the track and field events we went. So, I mean, he just just told me all the stories. I know the history of Fremont, Jefferson, Jordan, Washington, man, all because of my dad. And Jim Woodard, who was a former coach here, Jim is the same way. He's a historian at LA Unified Sports, so he would share stories with me as well.
0: I wonder what your dad would say now, and I don't expect you to answer mm-hmm. this, but just the crazy demographic shift at Fremont. It was all black, and now it's pretty much all yeah. Latino. It's really incredible how that's changed.
1: Yeah, you know, the whole demographics has changed completely. I don't know what he would thought because, you know, prior to my dad, uh, you know, obviously going to Dorsey and Fremont, it was predominantly white.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't Washington,
1: know that. yeah. Washington was predominantly white, and so it's it's shifted from white to black. You know, African American was the dominant, and now it's more uh, Hispanic. You know, just the the whole lay of the land has changed. So I don't know what he would say, but um, you know, he would have found a way to just enjoy it. Didn't matter. We'd be still going to events somewhere.
0: In two thousand seven, you got to coach the McDonald's All American game, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what was that experience like for you, a guy from Taft who I'm sure people on the East Coast didn't really, weren't too familiar with Taft High School. He kind of put it on the map a little bit, and I'm sure that was exciting, coaching some of the best guys in the country.
1: I don't know how I got it. To tell you the truth, when they called me, and they you know, we selected you to be a McDonald's All-American coach, and I said, you can't tell anyone. And I was like, you sure? I, yeah, wrong guy. <laughs> so I'm going to hang the phone up. It's too early in the morning to be joking around. And they said, please don't. It's real. It's the truth. And so I, you know, they told me, and i known for months. I couldn't tell anyone. Um, I got fortunate. We went back to North Carolina and we played a national event. And at the time, I, I remember seeing Morgan Wooten and, and Bob Gibbons at the time. And, but it happened to be just a whole host of the selection committee there. And um, they thought that my team was well coached and they thought I was entertaining. And they enjoyed that's what this is what they tell me. They enjoyed how uh, you know, I interacted with the kids and all that and they, you know, they hired me for that position. And it was stunning. It was it was kinda intimidating, uh, at first because I had Rose Derrick Rose and Eric Gordon and James Harden and Kevin Love and Michael Beasley. What a year. Yeah, I had one of the greatest teams ever. Um and I had to manage them because, you know, I, I was determined not to let the game be just a slam dunk and nobody get back. And and they just bought in, you know. Uh, the greatest thing I can remember is I, I taught them the offense we run at TAF. They picked it up in 30 minutes, and I never had to go over it again with them. You know, the moral of that story is, like, you know, I tell kids, you never know who's watching you. Someone's watching you for the very first time. And that just happened to be one of those days I wasn't acting a fool. And so <laughs> I was on my best behavior. And it impressed him enough to uh, get me selected.
0: That is an awesome story. I'm <laughs> glad I asked about that. So you spent that decade at Taft as the head coach. Mm-hmm. And then in 2011, you leave for St. John Bosco. It sounded like you had a good thing going at Taft. How come you decided to make that change?
1: I do, I, it was a challenge. The challenge of the Trinity League. It was It was a big monster league. I wanted to test myself. I really wanted to be the, the first guy to kind of knock off modern day. I, I kid you not. I, I felt I wanted that challenge. I wasn't afraid of it, and um, it was just too appealing, and I thought Bosco was a sleeping giant, just a monster, uh, and so I've I seen a lot of factors, there. So a lot of things in place that we can um, really do a lot of good things there. Most people
0: were, will remember the 2014 season for you guys at St. John Bosco, where you started the year nationally ranked, mm-hmm. and then kinda of got off to a slow start, lost mm-hmm. that, but finished the year with a state championship, mm-hmm. ups and downs, and you had some great players like Daniel Hamilton and Tyler Dorsey, Vance Jackson as well. What did that year teach you? And was that a tough year, even though it ended well?
1: Yeah, that was that was real tough on uh everyone. Because you know, we started out with Billy Preston on that team as well, Correct. too. So and we had Lauren Curry on that team was at Fairfax. I mean, you just think of when we lost those two players. Um, yeah, that was that was maybe one of the toughest years ever. Um, not because of the kids, the kids were super talented uh, and they played hard and they competed for us. When you have players, so many players that level, there's outside influences sometimes they're too big for you to manage and then they and it filters into the program. So we were affected. Heavily by outside influences, family, AAU coaches, hanger owners. It was just disruptive. We just had enough talent to get through state and win it, but I felt that we should have been in the open division. We could compete it with. Any, well, it would have been tough. Modern Day beat us both times, but other than Modern Day, we felt we could have beat any, play with anybody, and beat anyone else in the state. But it was it was very difficult. It was just too many, basically too many hands in the pot.
0: Mm-hmm. And you had great players at Taft, and then you had these great players yeah. at Bosco, and it just seemed like you mentioned there was kind of a lot going on and maybe that group didn't reach its yeah. full potential, and you yeah. lost some guys as well, yeah. which would have made it hard. When you look back at your time at St. John Bosco, what goes through your mind? Do you feel like it was a job well done? Do you feel like you could have done more? What are some thoughts that go through your mind?
1: Um. Well, you always feel you can do more, Uh, but I don't really feel that as much because I I understood what I was going through. The landscape of the game was changing. It was just too much outside interference. Um, But we had good times. So I I felt that, you know, the only thing I think about is, that I couldn't get a modern-day win. Um, And I do feel that, you know, I I thought my 13 team, I thought was the most talented team I've ever been associated with. Uh, Taft or at Bosco, and I felt we underachieved. I felt I could have did more of them. I felt I, I could have coached those kids better. Um, so that one kind of eats away at you. You know what's interesting about coaching? I think I've won 422 games and lost a little bit over 100. I can't tell you every win, but I can sure as heck tell you every loss. It's something about it why we focus on the negative because we always feel we, we we can do better. So I always felt I could have did better by those kids. But my experience at Bosco was good. Um, met a lot of good friends I still talk to, some really good people there, um, board members that I became personal friends with, and so my experience is I would, um, there's some good people there, and I, I I don't have nothing bad to say about school at all.
0: I read that when you were there, a lot of people on online forums on <coughs> basketball mm-hmm. websites would say, you know, this guy shouldn't be the coach, this guy doesn't yeah. deserve to be here, yeah. and there was more pressure there than there yeah. was at Taft. How did, How did you react to people who maybe didn't want you to be there?
1: Um, you know, I got used to it. I, I first of all, I, I didn't read. I would never read the the, the blogs and the forums because any time a person can go on and, and under an anonymous name and they don't attach their name, they can say anything, and they got real vicious towards me. Um, I don't know. I I just know that kind of like I've had success everywhere I went and I won, and so I didn't understand why people said I wasn't deserving of it. I I, I don't know. I, maybe people in the Trinity League didn't feel I belonged. Maybe I wasn't a part of the brotherhood. I don't know what it was. Um, but anytime you have success and people talk about you, you must be, you're doing pretty good. People generally don't say anything. You haven't hear anybody talk about in the blogs about a guy who's losing or is it a bad program? So when you take on a high-end job, a high-profile job, you got to take what all comes with it, high expectations, heavy criticism, um, uh, that comes with the territory, and I got some thick skin, and I, you know, that doesn't bother me. I just stay focused at the task at hand and try to get the kids better, and um, never lose sight of the experiences are more about the kids, not about what some anonymous person feels. And as a coach, that's important having the thick, sti- yeah.
0: uh, thick skin. So in 2015, you leave Bosco, yeah. and I know eventually you come back to Taft, but yeah. before that door opened for you, and you just kind of wrapped up at Bosco. What were you feeling?
1: Um, I felt how I was.
0: Were you looking to get right back into it? Like, no, it okay.
1: was real interesting. I wasn't. I was going to take some time off and or no, I was going to be an assistant. I was going to you know, I'll take a few months off. I was going to be an assistant. I was still trying to get over, trying to understand what happened at Bosco. I was a good employee. I won games. And then I suddenly I was not there. It all happened so fast. So I had to kind of wrap that, you know, try to. Get that to get an understanding within my own brain, which is, you know, trust me, most people know that's a task in his in his own right, and then I started to call people, and I was going to go to either Modern Day, become an assistant with Gary, and uh, or and or uh, Edizam in Westchester. That's what it came down to. I was going to one of those two places, to become assistants. But what was interesting, is also when you go through something like that, it was embarrassing. It was it was it was it was hurtful. And then you kind of know, understand who your friends are or not. Many people never called me. One man called me every single week. Every week was Gary McKnight. Every single week. Supported me. He Didn't understand what happened. How you doing? How you feeling? Everything good with you? Uh, like clockwork. And that's the side of Gary McKnight most people don't understand. But he always supported me through the entire uh, ordeal. And then, uh, you know, so I was looking to go to either modern day as an assistant or Westchester. Which would have been kind of fascinating. uh, Me and Edizam or me on Gary McKnight's staff. Wow.
0: That would have been incredible. Eventually, though, you get back to Taft. How did that happen?
1: Um, Mark Drucker had him almost, once again, almost went to Cleveland. I interviewed at Cleveland. Well, I interviewed at St. Francis first. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I interviewed at St. Francis, and I was like, okay, here we go. All boys Catholic school again. But I had, you know, I had um, experience with that, so it wasn't an issue. And I thought St. Francis had a chance to be a sleeping giant down the street from Pasadena, you know, good reputation. I thought it was all, everything was there for me to make them a super power, and early, also in a good league. So I wanted to go in that league and kind of take the school that never really wins in that league and take them to the top. And so I wanted to take that challenge. And then um, they went with Todd Wolfson. I was a finalist. They went with Todd. And then. um,
0: And he's done a nice job. Done
1: a good job. Done a real good job. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Good coach. And then I was um, interviewing at Cleveland. And then at the same time, uh, CJ Williams was here, the head coach at the time. Uh, Apparently, he he has a young, he had an infant daughter, and she was sick a lot. And he was going to look like he was looking to step away. And uh, Drucker asked, Mark Drucker called me and said, would I be interested in coming back to TAF? And I said, yeah, but not at the risk of another man taking his job, losing his job. But he told me that he thought CJ was was leaving, stepping away anyway. So if it was to happen, would I come back? And I said, yeah. And so that's how I uh, came back.
0: What are some of your favorite moments from the second stint at TAF these last few years?
1: Uh, You know, hay Clark and his family. I mean, you know, yeah, his family is great. His not best family ever. They just support one. You know, they support you one hundred percent, even when he's not doing well. They, you know, they always say, "Hey, make sure you hold him accountable." Um, they raise a lot of money for us. Friendly, funny, um, but then all the other, you know, just all the kids. When I came back, it was it was back business as usual. Like everyone here welcomed me back home. I got treated with a level of respect that I hadn't had in years uh, on the campus. Um, those are my memories. That, you know, the gym all of a sudden is packed again and people believing and, you know, they're, they're hoping that I can bring it back to where it once was and, you know, you know, the the music, the DJ, and it's loud. And there's a difference in the city and public some, and private. Some private schools, I was a Catholic school, but there was a band it was real, um, a little bit more conservative. And, you know, it's kind of more in the fast-paced city section again. And so those kind of stories I remember.
0: Do you have other roles here? Are you teaching PE, correct?
1: No, I'm just uh, – actually, I'm just a, a long-term sub here. I just do that. Then I have some other um, – I have properties, and I have other outside interests that, you know – so I, I have the freedom to kind of do what I need to do. And I, then, you know, I get to coach my son, and that's kind of cool.
0: And the freedom to talk to me, so thank you. Yeah. Uh, Demetrius Caleb is one of your top players this year mm-hmm. – and his dad used to be an assistant with you, right? Yes. And he played in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He stepped aside because he, the uh, answer that was put out to the press was he didn't want to, you know, have to coach his son and get into all of that. Yes. Do you think that was the right call?
1: Oh, I thought, yeah, it was. Yeah, just knowing D.C. well, knowing the situation. Um, this is an emotional, passionate um, coach. And, you know, he was like that as a player. So it was that walking the fine line of the emotion of coaching your son, coaching the others, and, and and taking your son's experience in. So he had to try to do both, and it was kind of difficult. And I can imagine it was tough. Um, and so I just – we made a decision. I said, I think you need to be a dad because, you know, I want you to enjoy your son's ride. And so – and it took pressure off of him. I think he's more relieved. Now that he can just sit back and watch his kid and watch the journey, Demetrius II might be the best shooter in the city this year.
0: What yeah. do you see for his ceiling? Do you think he's a Division One caliber basketball
1: player? Yeah, he's drawn a lot. Of, he's mm-hmm. drawn Division One interest. Um, like Cal shown interest. Uh, Loyola has come by and shown interest. Um, so he's drawn D one. Yeah, he can shoot it. Sneaky athletic. You know, he had 18 dunks last year for us. Um, he's long. He still has to get a little stronger. Uh, still got to work on a few things, but no, I think um, he fits the modern day game. He can sh- really shoot it, so he can stretch a floor. Uh, he has a weapon, that jump shot.
0: And this year, your son is on the team as a 10th grader. Mm-hmm. What's that experience gonna be like for you?
1: It's been pretty good. I'm enjoying. It. I'm watching his journey through, you know, through you know school and act socially and. We together every day, and I get to watch him, you know, develop as a basketball player. You know, right now he's a reserve; he gets, you know, a few minutes a game. Um, never complains. Trying to get better. Uh, understands his limitations, and um, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it, it's really a fun process.
0: What are your expectations for this year's team? I think uh, if we were to put out our rankings at Southern California Prep Insider, I think we'd have Westchester, Fairfax, yeah. and Taft at three. How does that yeah. sound to you?
1: That sounds right, about right going in, yeah. I think Westchester, especially getting a kid yeah, uh, Allen back. back, somebody a handful, and they have guards and they have bigs, and so they're really tough. I think it's one of Ed's best teams. Um, but with that being said, we love to play them. Um, we like how we match up against Fairfax because they're not physically overwhelming with big guys. Um, but, you know, you got a couple other giants out there lurking because I tell you what, Fremont and Washington Prep, They can beat anybody, and they can really play. And they're a handful, man. And then Birmingham is pretty doggone good, too. Um, And then you know – I mean, I'm sorry I'm getting ahead of you, but you know Narbonne, he ain't going nowhere. So the city's going to be a heck of a year in the city.
0: I agree, and I'm excited as a guy who covers the city. I think this year is going to be a little bit better talent-wise, one to eight open division than it was last year. So we're certainly excited for that. You mentioned earlier how your budget's zero, and I'm sorry about that that's mm-hmm. terrible. How do you fundraise well
1: we, I don't know it's 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 i don't know i mean we just i write letters we do we you know we do typical banners, and uh, we do a media guy, we get banners, and then we have a sponsorship letters that we send out to our alumni and um you know I have my group of uh contacts and other parents and local businesses, and we just send them out all over. And we do get a pretty decent response. And then we do a um which we like, a jogathon. Most kids go get flat rates because they don't wanna they don't wanna run laps for the event. So if you get a flat rate, you don't have to run a lap. So most kids hustle get flat rates. Um but we do that and that's a big big event where all the families come together and we get to meet and greet and all that. But that's basically it. Private donations. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, he's been of all my former players, he's been uh the most aggressive for us and we don't have to ask for anything he contacts me and says, what do you need Um, this year he's donating us on all the coaches lap buying all the coaches laptops through his foundation uh, so we can all watch film and coordinate together so um, that's how we do it
0: that's great it seems like it's a big effort but guys like spencer make it all yes possible in the event that that's great i'm happy that not that the budget's zero, but that you're you're getting yeah. something at least because well, I know other schools aren't as fortunate.
1: Yeah. And you know, yeah, zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah, that you can't get over that number. It, it's,
1: you can't do anything with it. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta put you gotta put Frost off, J V and Vars, you gotta pay for tournaments. And you gotta buy equipment. So yeah. You know, we have a Nike sponsorship, so that helps out a little bit, so we have some advantage of other schools.
0: Yeah, and if you don't play in tournaments then you're, you know, you're not getting better, so I no. I hear you. So what's going to happen if there's this teacher strike? I know Taft it's not the full charter, so you guys will totally be affected. Yeah. How do you kind of foresee this whole thing playing?
1: Right now it looks like it's uh it's going it's headed for strike.
0: And so, if I could interrupt, sorry. Mm-hmm. You're not a you mentioned how you're not a full-time teacher here, so just, would you still be allowed to coach? I, I just don't really understand. I don't think
1: all. we would be able to play and wouldn't coach, and I would not. You would, I used to be a full-time teacher on okay. staff, and I have 24.9 years of service in the Unified. I would never, um, I wouldn't cross the line. Great. So I would stick with the union through hella high water, and uh, I think most coaches, well, most coaches are walk-ons. I hope they would still feel that way, despite – us as coaches are represented by the teachers union, and we have yet to have our stipend raised in I don't know decades. That's true, which is um pretty sad. But it's the same uh, as it was in the eighties. Absolutely same stipend, but yet I wouldn't cross that line ever because I I believe it's a bigger cause, and teachers need to be protected and taken care of.
0: And you mentioned how you think it's going to happen. So how how would that affect the basketball?
1: I guess we just all shut down at that point. I don't see how we can play. And it's terrible. So I mean, what else can go wrong? Yeah. And then you started to wonder why kids are bolting, bolting out of the system, and it just because they can't trust it. That would be a big blow for athletes, and no one would, you know, it could be a death blow at that point. Yeah. So we'll
0: be watching that story closely. Yeah. I hope uh, it gets resolved, but you know, it looks like uh, there might be a strike down the line, and yeah. who knows what will happen with that. Ending on a happier note, I want to ask you, Coach, what's the future look like for you? How long do you think you're going to stay at Taft? And do you just have any goals that you – because you've done so much. What what else do you want to accomplish? How long are you going to be here? Have you thought about that?
1: Yeah, I thought about it. You know, I just turned 55, so I'm an, I'm an official uh, senior citizen, you know, getting my discounts and all you that know, you stuff. You don't look like it. Yeah, Thank you. You know, I'm trying to hide it well. I guess 55 is the old 54. Yeah, new 55. <laughs> yeah, Same old thing. But, you know, I'm enjoying it. Um, you no, know, I talk with Gary. Talk with Ed. Matter of fact, um, Tom, Tom Kaufman, Hoffman, Tom Hoffman, Lacagnata. Me and Tom talk all. We talked just two weeks ago. Tom, don't be mad. I mispronounced your name. I'm sorry. But um, me and Tom was talking, and we just say, you know, just gonna coach until we stop enjoying it. I can't tell you that. I mean, I can tell you honestly, I enjoy it. I don't see no no stopping in sight. And plus. I don't know what else I would do. I, I'm i at a point now, I don't think there's anything else I can do. But I enjoy it. I enjoy being around the kids. I enjoy the stories. I enjoy being a part of their history, watching their journey. Um, I just think that stuff is priceless.
0: That's Coach Derek Taylor, basketball, taft high, a father, a mentor, a leader. Coach, thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me, Connor. You survived. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was great. Thank you.